What's up, everybody? Um, I kind of am honored to be the welcomer for the week of this episode. Um, first off, I will shout out to Hannah, who is in a bathroom in Ohio. Say hello, Hannah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I promise I'm just with my national team. Nothing crazy. <laughs> Ohio's a little iffy. Yeah, Kyle, where are you? Oh, hello. Hey guys, I'm uh, I'm not telling people where I am. I already screwed the script. My bad. I'm in an undisclosed location. This is Joe's first time introducing us. This is Joe. Joe is uh, now a full time member of our crew, so you know we're giving him a chance to open it up for us. Thank you. I jumbled the script a little bit, but I'm getting. It's okay. We don't have a script. Do we look professional to you? You know, I can write us a script from now on. Yeah, go away, Kyle. <laughs> uh, Daniel, you want to say hello? Oh, what's up, guys? Um, I'm not going to be on much today. I'm going to be kind of AFK uh, because everybody else is able to miss episodes, but I'm not. So I'm just going to be bouncing in, okay. in when I can. First of all, I mean, I am not wrong. That. I'm the one who records and posts everything, but. Yeah, I'm okay. at a friend's house in Milwaukee, yeah. so I'll just jump on whenever I can. You started the group. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Hope. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do it. I'm muting myself now. <laughs> so I've been MIA because of school. Just so you guys know where I went. I know I'm the star. And I know everything. So look at you talking uh, yourself. Isaac. <laughs> What's up with you? How you doing? Well, hello. Uh, well, I'm currently driving my semi in Indiana. Fun. Fun. Multitasking mm-hmm. be... over here. Podcasting and driving a semi at the same time. Not not to sound like too old here, but that was a hell of a traffic jam you were in yesterday. Like, I got anxiety oh. from it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I sat there for about 21 minutes staring at my fingers. Um, <sighs> but, you know, such the life of a semi-driver. This is true. How you feeling? Uh, after the weight loss surgery, pretty well. I mean, hang it in there. Yeah. Weight. Good. 50 pounds so far. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank I think, you. I think that was right around what I got, bring about 40 or 50 of my first month post surgery. So I will say, drinking water is the issue. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the that, issue I had with COVID. Really drinking water? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 70, 75% of Americans don't drink enough water as it is. So you add, you add anything else in that, it makes it a lot worse. What's water? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What's water? <laughs> you know that clear stuff that comes out of Lake Michigan? What's the Lake Michigan? Is it carbonated? Oh, uh, yeah. It's carbonated mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it comes in a Coke bottle. Oh, yeah, I've had that. I've, I've had that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, so I guess moving on past introductions, <laughs> first topic, uh, I think was, well, how about the news of the day with uh, Biden, or excuse me, I apologize, eight Democrats joining the Republicans to uh, basically decide not to lift almost a million people out of poverty with uh, not advancing the minimum wage, not keeping it in the COVID relief bill, which arguably would, is kind of the epitome of kind of a financial relief here. Um, 
Um, you mind if I, I'm just gonna jump in really quick? Fuck Joe Manchin. That's all I have to say. Bye. <laughs> I'd actually would second that. I I, I stand that. So, Bro, I, I kind of, before I before sorry, Hannah, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask a question. Is he like a Democrat that voted against the minimum wage? Not only against, like he really led the charge. Like he was being, he, I mean, he essentially uh, promised to basically explode any other hope of getting anything done. I mean, basically, ho- basically threatening to pull Mitch McConnell hold up the Senate uh, if if they didn't play ball with him. So if he didn't get what he wanted, I mean, so he wanted a lot more, but still, I mean, to his guys is what the the damn filibuster, which. I don't know, but I mean, he wasn't even the villain of the day. He wasn't even the real villain of the day. It was Krista Cinema. I, and my God, he's so ugly. I know he. I'm look. I'm I'm mesmerized by. It. I'm I'm embarrassed to share the first, same first name as him. You've never remember. seen my. You've never seen my signed photo of him, have you, Joe? Oh, it's signed. I didn't see the see the autograph. <laughs> no one cares, Kyle. <laughs> it's my prized possession. <laughs> you just love straight white men, huh? <laughs> right, okay, uh, I do Joe, feel though. In uh, all seriousness, feel- though, he. Uh, I mean, Joe. I got to correct you. It was only seven Democrats that voted. Um, against Seven. it, Angus King also voted against it. He's it, an independent. independent. Who You're right. Yeah. Democrats, but it's not really surprising that he voted that way. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I really do feel well. If you saw the news, uh, the job market is back on the rise again. Ever since you know Biden's been in office, so is that almost like a escape? Saying, hey, we got we have jobs coming back up. It's like over three hundred thousand jobs, whatever it was. I don't call me on the number, but so was that just a way? It's okay. Well, we did that, so let's hold off on the minimum wage because we did that. This is our good deed for the bond. This is our good deed for our opening of our presidency. Was we brought jobs back, and now we can slack off for the job market. Minimum wage is all ties hand in hand. So I feel like that was just another way to say, well, we did this, and we're gonna pull this way for a while, and then we'll, we may come back to it. It's almost like they're putting, you know, a tree in front of a horse. And just you know, walking backwards inch by inch, hoping the American people follow while they play around with their promises and what they want to, what they told us they were going to do. Well, yeah, that coupled with that, the excuse of the filibuster that doesn't belong in this package because it, it doesn't belong, it, it uh, you know, to override the filibuster. I think coupled with that is absolutely there. I mean, but I got at the end of the day, it's political calculation. Mm-hmm. You know, the the enemy, the the worst person, the the worst person of the day was Krista Cinema, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you saw her little uh, thumbs down curtsy there, a little celebration, but you know. You know, I it we're at a point when it comes to the minimum wage that, and this is this isn't going to be a popular opinion with this group at all. <laughs> I'm ready for you guys to all turn on me, but uh, me. the thing about it is, we're at a point where if we want to get stuff done in this session it's gonna have to be stuff that we can pick up republican votes on and that joe manchin agrees with and kristen cinema agrees with um and so yeah. i i would say if i was there right now i would say well let's hold off on the minimum wage for two years or let's take the compromise that mitt romney and some are, are proposing of making it a lower amount uh, maybe not do it exactly how the republicans would do it but make it a lower amount for now um Maybe go that route for now, and then in two years, when we hopefully pick up more Democratic seats and there's more progressives there, then you then you raise it to the 15. 
But if it's not possible now, I would argue that there are things we can get done. And I'm a big fan of the $15 minimum wage. I don't, I don't understand why any Democrat votes against it. But if, it, if it's not doable, there's things that are, let's do them. Okay, Jerry, okay. I need to, okay, I just need to interject really quick just because I, I don't know. I'm not as confident that we're going to pick up seats in two years just because historically in the past, every time there's like a, uh, a midterm election after a certain party picks, like uh, takes the White House, the opposite party tends to get some kind of upswing in either the Senate or Congress. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think we should be comfortable in the fact that, oh yeah, we're going to pick up seats because that is going to be an uphill battle, especially if there's certain things that keep falling through that make the Republic, the Democrats look bad. Like, oh, we're not being given certain things. It just makes it look like there's inaction and shit like that. So I don't know. I just wouldn't be so confident that we're going to pick up seats. So, you know, that's why I think we need to do stuff now and pass things now while we can and have the numbers instead of just banking on the fact that we can hold a majority and shit when the, you know, the deck is kind of stacked against us at this point. Especially with the redistrict. Oh, sorry, Joe, go ahead. No, that's okay. Just as a respond real quick. Um, I, I understand that. And I, that, that is the political history there. Um, as a, as a proud democratic operative, I am optimistic that we can pick up some seats though. Um, but I, I understand that my point is still though, let's do the stuff we can get done with this 50, 50 Senate with the Kamala Harris tiebreaker. Let's get that stuff done. If, we yeah. can't, if we're losing Democrats on something, Let's come back to it later. I agree with you, Kyle, on that. And especially, I mean, you look at HR1 with the voter expansion rights, you, you got COVID relief, you got different criminal justice reform. I mean, those are things that probably are going to be able to get some, if not all of that done with, you know, if you keep the Joe Mansions of the world happy. So yeah, um, I think the American people need to understand that when you have like right now the 50-50 Senate, Things that we want done, unfortunately, are not always going to get done right away. And this is just um, piggybacking off what Kyle just said. There are things that we can accomplish that it may not look exactly like we had hoped for, but it, it may be that step in the right direction. Rome wasn't built in a day. We're not going to write this ship in a, in a day. We may not even write this ship in um, this, this term by this first term of Biden's if even that second term, who knows, but we may not write the ship right now, but there are things we can do to start to bail out the water that Trump had left us sitting and soaking up DC right now. Um, so there are things that we can do that may not look exactly like we want them to, but it can still be, a, like I said, a step in the right direction. Um, but since we're on a subject of the $15 minimum wage, I, I haven't um, dug deep into the whole pro the whole program the whole bill yet but is there protections if you guys know to uh protect businesses from jacking up their wages in turn you know homes apartments other type necessities gas food from jacking up their wages and putting us right back to the spot we are now where the 15 dollar minimum wage is equivalent to the minimum wage that is right now with with prices going up if there's not a protection for that, we're going to be in the same boat we are now. More money, but still broke because everything went up in price. Anna, were you trying to say something? Um, Yeah, but it wasn't related to Isaac. I was just going to say that, like, so I just got an email about 
uh, college students being able to get food stamps. Yep. And like when I applied for it, when I applied for benefits like last year around this time, I didn't make enough money to get food stamps. So I feel like things right now for college students just aren't, just aren't it. And uh, what Kyle was saying about like just getting stuff done right now, being in the position I'm in, like I definitely agree with that because I'm, I'm kind of broke right now. Like I make eight fifty an hour and I don't get like taxes taken out because I do an internship, but like 850, like that's, that's really shitty. And I can't really, yeah, no, seriously. And I don't even, are, are we even included on this next stimulus package or do like, or do yes, you that, have to file taxes in order to get that money? Cause that's what I was looking at. I, I understand from what I understand. And I, I guess I don't know if it was in the final bill, despite the whole bill being read. Uh, I, I didn't tune in <laughs> myself, but um, <laughs> I, from what I understand, Biden wanted there to be some things to make sure college students got a stimulus check as well. So right, because his wife is a teacher, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, one of his previous executive orders dealt with that on the pre on the last the six hundred dollar check too. That's supposedly supposed to streamline a lot of this and like direct the instead of the tax rebates, the direct checks, like Kyle said, to that. So I don't know. Right, what college students are supposed to get the six hundred too. Right. Right. That's right. Where's my money? Well, yeah, it, I myself, like, come on, Biden. Other, myself, a few other peer groups, you know, peers of mine, like same boat, like, you know, they definitely qualify, but they yeah. just haven't gotten that yet. And yeah. Um, my, my girlfriend hasn't gotten her, either of hers yet. She just filed it on her taxes. Um, so now she's yeah. got to see tax return. And do I have to file taxes in order to get that? Or uh, like, if, if I, or if is I'm, it still, if I'm not mistaken, you didn't have to file taxes, but if you need to file to get it, you got you have to file like a some kind of uh, like a, a condensed uh, 2020 tax uh, form. I'm not sure what fo IRS form, but I remember seeing on the website that there's like, if you haven't paid taxes or if you haven't filed taxes, this is what you need to do, X Y Z. All right, but yeah, I mean, so any college students listening, like <laughs> here's your foot in the door, like because me personally and the people I'm around like we don't know what we're doing like a lot of people like look to me and say oh well what about this stimulus check and I'm like girl I don't know either so thank you appreciate it for sure and um I wanted to before I forget on Daniel's point kind of back to like the the uncertainty of 2022, I mean, realistically with redistricting, there's only a, a very slim margin of a number of seats that they need to redraw to, to have the odds on favor to, to take over the house. I mean, and that, that's my concern. Why I'm less confident that we'd hold the house or the Senate either. I mean, I, my fact, I would put, if I was betting, I'd put money on holding in the Senate versus holding the house. But, and that's just because of redistricting. Um, and I wanted to say to Isaac's point, Isaac, you're right. Um, but how they do that is going to be tricky because I, I would say if someone starts, in, if a company starts increasing their prices after the minimum wage is increased, 
um, and they do it to an extent that is inappropriate, there needs to be some kind of penalty for them, um, whether that's a tax a financial penalty or, or a criminal penalty. I don't know. Criminal might go a little far, honestly, in my opinion, but um, <laughs> you've, you've got you've to have something there to make sure people don't do that. Right, because otherwise, like, otherwise, I don't see the point in raising minimum wage. There's no protection to the American people that go out that extends laws to the businesses from raising all their prices. Because otherwise, it's like we say, if we look back on the value of the dollar um, over the course of American history, um, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because of inflation doesn't match um, the value of the dollar. So we're going we're gonna to find ourselves in a similar situation. Minimum wage looks good on paper when it goes up to $15 an hour. But when it comes to real spending of that money, is that are we spending it in a way that actually boosts our economy and boosts the American people, or we're just going right back to say this gas prices is up to three fifty four dollars a gallon, rent's going to shoot up, or a gallon of bread, whatever, a gallon of milk, sorry, bread, whatever, meat, food, are all these things going to go up? Daycare prices. So, what does that look like for the American people when minimum wage goes up to fifteen dollars an hour? Do you think they're thinking about that? Are they better? Otherwise, what's the point? I will say, I will say though, every every plan to raise them like like fifteen dollars an hour, it wasn't going to happen tomorrow if they passed it. It was going to be a five year phase, um, and I think that would offset some of that inflation. I don't know if it would offset all of it, but it, it would definitely offset some. I can see that. I don't. Know, I think I think it needs to be like I know like the five year phase needs to be really well and thought out and really planned to realize that we can do all this work like i said there's no protection then the work is for not because if people are going to be saying we're still broke at 15 dollars an hour because businesses have free reign to do whatever they want and raise the price however they want and it's just there needs to be some kind of um control on that to make sure that right. we as american people can thrive uh we should not only thrive is just the least of be able to flourish in america and make enough money to be all that we can be. People are going to say, well, let's go out and work two jobs. Well, not everybody can go out there and work two jobs. Working two jobs is tiring. We need to be able to live a life where we can work and live and have the healthy work to non-work balance so we can remain healthy and still be able to properly function with the family and as, and as individuals. So our wages should be able to substantiate a life that has mental health and physical health and forward to make sure that we're able to maintain that as best as possible. And if wages aren't doing that, then something needs to be looked at closely and the prices at which we sell our goods at and the wage at which we give to our American workers. I agree. I mean, do, do any of you have any hope for this to pass, you know, break through a filibuster and pass on a standalone bill, whether it be this year, next year, 2024? I mean, what are your guys's, what's your prognostications? That was a big word. Yeah, I'm, I was nervous as hell. I thought I was going to butcher it. I was nervous as hell. I thought I was going to butcher it. Was, he has a script. I'll be he honest. He has a script for sure. I, I have nothing. Um, I, I have I, questions. That's it. I don't see the, the filibuster is not going anywhere. Um, and I will stand up and say, nor should it. But I think that we could change it. Um, and it's all about convincing joe manchin and the right people to change it and to make it more of a traditional filibuster or to 
to limit the types of motions filibusters can be used on. That's the kind of stuff I, I do still have hope that we can get done, but I think we've got to give up on getting rid of the filibuster. But with minimum wage specifically, like, do you, do you foresee it, you know? Well, one, one thing I read was that something they could try is if they want to avoid the filibuster, they could try to make it a completely financial thing and just make, make it a tax bill and penalize any company that doesn't pay their employees $15. And then I don't think that kind of bill would be subject to a filibuster. So that's one way they could try and go about to do it, but it doesn't create a legal minimum wage of 15. And some companies are still going to say, yeah, we'll take the tax penalty. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't see a lot of the, the, you know, Joe Manson's Chris cinemas of the world, Ron Coons, whatever, uh, you know, the, the people that voted against minimum wage even today, you know, or that are against filibuster, you know, against ending the filibuster or reforming the filibuster. I mean, I could, I can't see them passing that. The essentially a, a tax, a penalty tax on a business. You know, I could see the messaging. I can see the political calculation as already. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you. I uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, and the the real the other issue with the minimum wage is some of them like Joe Manchin don't want fifteen. He wants twelve. Well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, it, what does Kristen Cinema want? Ten. Well, no, Arizona's already at 12 something oh. as a state. Yeah, I don't know. I think her, she says she's just against the filibuster, you know, using it or, you know, slamming it through the filibusters. I mean, we'll see when push comes to shove when if it comes down to the nitty gritty on a standalone bill. But um, my hunch is it, it, it was just the, the boogeyman for the day. Of the day. Are they both up? Are, are, are Mansion and Cinema bo- both up for re-election? I don't think Mansion is. Is Cinema? I think Cinema. I no. She beat. She beat um, uh, whoever it was that was um, appointed to fill out McCain's term. She won an eighteen Cinema. I remember she won a. She, she won a Mansion. I think was wasn't he just re-elected. The, yeah, I think I think Mansion was. But okay. That makes sense. It was uh, it was Mark Kelly for Arizona that was just elected, though. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, Mark Kelly, yeah, um, yeah. So um, if, I, if I if I'm not mistaken, all seven, uh, all all some Democrats, but all eight other individuals in question that voted against them, including Angus Keene, the Independent. Um, I think they they don't face re-election at least for until 2024 i know they're definitely a cycle away i think they're also all millionaires is something i saw uh, maybe yeah. not Kristen cinema i don't think people know how much she's worth but um the rest of them are at least millionaires that helps it i mean that helps things you know <laughs> and they can't and they can't raise minimum wage right right like come on um, what we, we, we should probably move on um, yeah before um, we talk about another topic, though, I'll just sidetrack us to something local. Joe, do you want to tell everyone about this 22-day fast that you're doing with the Wisconsin 7? For sure. Thanks for the plug, Kyle. Um, you're uh, not a bad moderator yourself. The So about know, hour 32 now. Hour 32 of a fast, uh, basically, to, it started off with Reverend Pastor Bark, or Reverend Jonathan Barker, excuse me, from Grace Lutheran and Kenosha. It was an amazing thing things in our community. Kyle, I'm sure can attest to it all. You can t- attest to it, the things they do um, for our community, the Grace Welcome Center, et cetera. So he has been doing kind of like a f- intermediate Friday, 100 consecutive Fridays fast for climate change and advancement of the Green New Deal. And he has partnered with a few different uh, local uh, statewide groups to do a, a 22 or three week straight fast to match 
Gandhi's uh, hunger strike as well. And, be, and a little background, 22 days just because he's a regular faster as it is. And the last day ended on the day before his normally scheduled fast. So we just decided I'll do it with him. Um, but anyway, so we um, that turned into from Pastor Barker doing the fast to um, three others joining and then eventually moving all the way up to just uh, Vaughn Mays joining us just two nights ago to be the seventh. So we're at seven people. It's myself, uh, County Supervisor Andy Berg, Justin Blake, Pastor Barker, Vaughn Mays, uh, Tori Lowe, and um, Jill Ferguson, who's with Peace Action Network, who's a, I mean, her story about her, she's been an activist, I mean, since she was a, a not even a teenager yet. So she's an amazing, an activist, amazing story. Everybody here, I'm just, I'm, I'm very lucky to even be associated with their names. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're excited like tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. We're going to be caravanning up to the state capitol. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes is going to be speaking with, uh, like doing a, speaking at our press conference and a rally. Uh, 10 a.m. at the Capitol. Uh, um, we have a, we're doing, a, uh, been invited to like a national, national virtual uh, climate policy um, forum in, on March 18th to briefly speak. Um, and a few other uh, fun events, but basically we're trying to, the long story short, the goal is to raise awareness for, uh, you know, the need for a climate justice budget pass uh, adopt the current proposed budget of governor evener's givers um uh, proposed climate change initiatives you know adopt the uh climate change task force uh suggestions and keep moving forward towards a green new deal on a local statewide and national level and, and the reason why i'm really excited about it is because we're allowed to use our platform here to advocate for other issues associated not only with you know environmental injustice but the injustices that stem from, from, from that. So really excited about it. Uh, check us out on Facebook, 22 days um, fast for climate justice and uh, to follow through and follow us and, um, and whatnot. So, but day th hour 32 out of 22 days. So you feel all right so far. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. So far, you know, ask me in a couple hours though. I'm used to, eat, I'm a, I'm a late night eater. I'm a late night eater. So Ask me in a couple hours. Um, 22 days, man. I I couldn't. Yeah, you know, honest to God, the toughest thing, like right now, the only the things that I'm bothering me is the soda. I'm a, I'm a religious soda drinker. Soda is my religion. And uh, so that's been, that's been kind of tough so far. That's been hitting me, but you know, we'll get through it. So that's really cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, again, thank you for the plug. 22 days for climate justice, fasting for climate justice. Check us out. Otherwise, um, I think we want to talk about. I would have definitely done it during wrestling season. But, yeah. you know, I have to take advantage of <laughs> not having to cut weight. But I totally support it. I totally support it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. And, uh, I support it, but I would never participate in it. That's fair just enough. Like, just to be honest. I, no, I I, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, after this weight loss surgery, if I wasn't so close after the surgery, it's something I would do. You have to cut back seriously on this weight loss surgery. No, for uh, sure. For sure. It's, it's got, a whole different style of lifestyle. You need you like all your favorites and your wants and your needs. You got to shove it away and like recalibrate the way you eat. Um, 
So yeah, yeah if I wasn't so, if it wasn't, if I didn't just have the surgery a month ago, medically right now, it's not safe for me to do that. Totally. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it's that. It's something I would do. Um, I definitely feel like when you, when people are able to push themselves and their bodies to a whole new extreme in the, uh, in the, in the way of inducing change, inciting change, um, that's powerful. You saw, like you said, you saw it with, uh, with Gandhi, you saw it with a lot of people. Um, Mandela basically almost, he just rotted away in prison uh, because of the way it was in there for and the way people were being treated. And people, your, our bodies can do powerful things we will ourselves to do it. And there's no greater way to incite change than to take oneself and sacrifice oneself for the greater good. Because then people really know that you know, that we mean business and that we're here to stay. You saw a lot of that throughout the course of the summer with people standing in line while the police tear gas them and beat them when they were standing up for Black lives. It's another form of putting yourself out there and your body on the line to, to incite change. So it's a powerful thing and people need to look up to those kind of people who are willing to go out there and sacrifice themselves for the greater good and also get motivated do the same. It doesn't have to be a 22-day fast to do whatever. I really, I really feel that this human, this movement that we saw for Black Lives Matter for humanity over the past year and a half has started a cycle of people in different parts of the country coming up with new ideas and new ways to incite change. And that's been very powerful to see different things popping up in different parts, different walks of life, and different topics, stuff like that. So uh, I definitely commend you all and um, and we, it's, it's a big fight. We all got to be in this together. And at, at the end of the day, all these different causes intertwine with each other, and they're all about humanity. So it's, it's definitely a powerful thing. I thank you, Isaac. Perfectly said. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that. I appreciate your kind words, your support, and again, thank you for letting me use your guys or this platform here to kind of give it a plug. So I appreciate that. We'll check back in with you next week on it. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how I'm doing without my soda and everything else. So, good luck. Uh, but I wouldn't say more fun topic, but a more hearty topic. Or Syria, I believe, is the uh, was the subject of choice, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, Daniel, yeah. Are, you, are you present? He might not be. Oh. Oh. Okay. I know he had something to say. Um, I think that Obama should get out of Biden's ear because I know their little relationship or whatever. And I know from what I have researched about Obama that this is like, oh, I, so what I know about Obama, like the bad things is that he was bombing like like other he was like trigger happy with like bombing places that's what I read about and I just think it's really convenient that Joey that was like one of the first things like I heard about Joe Biden was that you know he's dropping bombs so I don't really know like the why he did it or for what, but so what I read about it, and I 
I haven't read much about it. I haven't read super into it. But what I read about it was that he bombed a couple Iranian military facilities in Syria. Um, and he did this after three Americans were either injured or killed, uh, I think possibly killed in an Iranian attack. Um, and it, that this was a response. Now, I also heard that um, the U.S. is claiming so many military deaths um, on Iran's side, but Iran is saying that there were more deaths, or maybe Syria is saying that there were more deaths um, than what the U.S. is saying. Um, dishonesty wouldn't be cool, but I guess in, in my opinion, based on what I've read, um, this was a pretty basic military response. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know why people, th I, I saw a lot of people like, oh, we shouldn't have voted for Joe Biden, but did you think that, that military action would just end with the election of Joe Biden? There, well, here's the thing, is people like to, like to- It's still gonna be, have to be retaliation when, when our people are killed. That's just well, how the no, world here's works. The thing. And it, we people can change like to, that, but it's not gonna change overnight. People like to pretend that the Democrats aren't as imperialistic as the Republicans when they literally are just as bad. Imperialistic. Uh, anybody, anybody who thought that the Democrats were gonna stop these imperialistic actions in the Middle East and just keeping us in areas that we do not need to be in in any shape or way, um, they were kind of dumb. Like, honestly, Daniel, what's imperialistic about about responding about retaliating to an attack? Um, the reason the thing the thing is like we shouldn't even be in that area in the first place. The thing is that retaliation shouldn't have actually be a response that we have to take because the thing is like our people shouldn't even be over there. Like the imperialism is in the fact that our people are over in there over there in general. So right. the, the, the thing is like shouldn't be in Syria either. Here's the True. thing. That is their section of the world. But also, yes, the Iranians should not be over there. But here's the thing. The United States especially shouldn't be over there. And anybody who thought that Joe Biden was going to suddenly take us out of the Middle East is just as delusional as Republicans who thought that um, Trump was going to take us out of the Middle East. Well, That's all I got to say. Say, say that, but say that they take people out of like our troops out of the Middle East. What's going to happen? That's their business. Like, where's like, like people, where's our protection then? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the, because they're not because, just going to stop fighting. They're well, going to be Hannah, like, oh. Hannah, Hannah, like, here's the it, thing. It, it just doesn't make this, sense. This, this notion that suddenly is like, say we pull out of the Middle East and like suddenly like, oh, terrorist attacks or everything like that would shoot up is kind of like an, it, it doesn't actually work just since like, um, I think 75% of terror uh, attacks in the United States have been by white nationalist groups in the past like 20 something years. Like it's not even like, I don't even think that's something that we need to even like consider. It's one of those things where we shouldn't be in the Middle East. It, it's just another Vietnam for us, but people haven't been treating it as Vietnam just because in the past, like since Vietnam, we've become way more nationalistic in this uh, way of like, um, so I'm, I'm going to apologize. I'm a little bit drunk. So my words sound kind of <laughs> goofy right now. Um, but no, so this is just another Vietnam for us. And I don't understand why we are going to continue pushing forward with continuing being in the Middle East. And I don't understand why, you know, I, I don't know. I don't get it, I, but whatever. I agree with Daniel, really. I really, Daniel, I agree with you on that we shouldn't be in the Middle East. I think we disagree on how fast we can pull out now that we're there, though. I think that's where you and I might disagree. But I mean, I agree we shouldn't be there. 
it's it's not our business. Um, we should only respond as as a unit and as an international unit with NATO um, when other countries need us to. Uh, that, Thank that is you. My opinion. Thank you. Holy but, shit, Kyle. Thank you. But I don't think I don't don't think we can just pull all our troops out of everywhere in the world and everything's going to be okay. I think that well, would be. Pure. I don't think we. I don't think we pull all of our troops out from the rest of the world. Like we can still maintain our military bases and like in our European allies, like uh, lands and stuff like that. But I think at this point, it's like, how many people do we not only need to kill, then how many Americans do we need to have die before we decide that our imperialist endeavors in the Middle East are just never going to work. And that us strong arming these countries into forming what we would consider democracies isn't going to work because here's the thing, we're not trying to form democracies in these nations. We're trying to form just these puppet nations and the people don't want us there. Like that would be like if, if say like China just came in and occupied Oklahoma and then like, and then the, when they said the Americans attacked us, even though like they were occupying our land, like it just doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know. That's, I that's how I feel. I hear It you. makes sense. Like I understand. It's just like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't want to be bombed like those countries. So how do, just how do we know that they're not going to do it in retaliation or that they're not going to, like, seize an opportunity? I know that the troops really can't, like, stop it, but I'm just kind of, like, I'm just kind of scared because what I see on social media, um, the videos of, like, what's actually happening to the people and like the effects of the bombing like I just couldn't imagine that here I and I like want like protection like that like I want to be able to feel safe I think well, that's makes sense. right I, I think it's really important to have a, a strong military I want America to maintain its military strength but I I also I, I don't know if if the threat's really coming from the Middle East right now yeah really know if that's where we need to be worried about i would say the military priorities should be russia china the, the climate right uh, right I think the military I priorities should be if north korea even is more maybe more of a threat than than the middle east i think that yeah. our military our military budget and our military is way overblown compared to what the actual military um danger to our nation is like I, we could slice our military in half and our military budget in half and we would still have the largest military in the world and the best funded military in the world there's literally no legitimate other nation in the world including china or russia that spends as much on their military has as much um like as has uh, as high of tech uh equipment as we have then like literally any of our closest competitors aren't even close to where we are at but, can we, can we, but how much of that money is given to the people that are like fighting for the country because i know that a lot of people um like a lot of i want to say militia but i like military people like join because of the money so is well, that yeah, I mean, a part the of that's, the funding that's that's one of the issues where it's like there's so many there's so much uh wasteful spending that it comes uh, with the military. And that's one of those things where I like to call out Republicans when they claim to be fiscally conservative, but then they continuously support hiking up the uh, military budget because 
there is so much wasteful spending in the military when it comes to uh, military contractors and these military contracts that end up just like literally burning through millions and millions of dollars or go billions over in budget. Um, so it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those firm believers where I think that us being a militarist nation, which that is what we are, are we are a militarist nation where from like, and I, I can say this from, you know, from personal experience, when I was six years old, I wanted to join the Navy because like I had seen all of these things on TV and like through on the news and stuff like that about on like basically borderline military propaganda and stuff. It's one of those things where there is no need for our nation to have as large of a standing military as we should. There's no need for our nation. Hey, hey I gotta, to I gotta cut you off there, Daniel. I just gotta, I gotta interrupt you because you, you're correct that I just pulled it up because I was actually just looking at this a few days ago. Um, you're correct that America spends the most on their spends the most on their military, and that's largely in equipment, equipment and and weapons costs and things that we could cut back on for sure. But we do not have the largest military in the world um india's military has forty-four thousand more members than us and china outranks us has a larger military than us by almost a million people yes but then you also have to consider the fact that india has 1.3 billion people and no, china right. has 2 billion and china has, like that. has required military service yeah, i just wanted so, I mean, to point out that they they have larger militaries than us well, I'm, I'm, and i'm, I'm uncomfortable referring... i'm uncomfortable with china having that much larger of a military with uh, than us i wouldn't say cut members of the military but, down well, i would say cut costs down but not members no i would say just like more reduce on the um recruiting for the military not just randomly go up to a military member and be like oh you don't have a job anymore just stop pushing these quotas for recruiters and stuff like that so we stop having an expanding military and also uh, if you break uh, down the if you break down the numbers for like yeah china has a bigger military but their military is way vastly uh, less funded than ours. So if you break it down, their military is way lower in quality. Like there was at one point where I'm pretty sure Iraq's military was almost as large as our military. And we destroyed them in like three weeks back during. Okay, but like, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's the thing. I, I agree about disagree. China, our, our biggest threat right now with China is uh, over. It's on water as it stands right now. And our military... When it comes to our military, our developments, especially when it comes to our fighter planes and our naval type equipment, we have downgraded our range based on what it was 20, 30 years ago. And as of right now, China has the equipment and the power to penetrate our naval system and destroy our naval fleet that's stationed outside, stationed in the ocean right now um, around China. So they, they do have the power to do so. So when you're talking about cutting military budget, it has to, I, I wouldn't necessarily say cut, but more so reallocate them because we, our, our defense is good, but it's not what people think it is. If you study military history, we have weakened a lot of our defenses over time with this new technology that's supposed to be better. When you start to look at it, we have drastically shortened our range on what we can and can't do when it comes to military airplanes, the range in which their bombs can go. And so it's not exactly what people made. Like the money is being shelled out, but it's not being shelled out and effectively, effectively preparing our country for an attack from a large force such as China. Um, there's a whole article that was written about it. 
um, about if China were to strike right now on our forces in the sea, could they penetrate our forces and cause, we, like, I think we only have aircraft carriers. We only have, I think it's, I don't call them like four or five aircraft carriers in our fleet. If one we have of 11. Goes, okay, well, they're 11, my bad. But well, uh, I'm sorry, of, Isaac, just, just really quick before I go back to what I was doing before and I kind of go AFK again. It's just one of those things where the, the thing that I want to bring up because, like, you make good points that, like, yeah, we might not have as big of a muscle as we might have had in, like, say, the 80s or something like that. But here's the thing. Who are we at war with? There is absolutely no reason for us to be stockpiled and ready to jump on um, any nation and stuff like that when we are literally not at war. There is no way we are going to war with China. There's no way we're going to war with North Korea. There's no way we're going to war with Russia. There is that thing that existed back in the Cold War. Um, mutually assured destruction there is not as long as as long as nations have nuclear weapons there's no way we are going to war with any comparable nation that has a comparable sized army so these proxy wars with these smaller nations like iraq iran um syria and stuff like that those are going to continue but here's the thing we do not need to be involved with those wars china the, the biggest threat that china actually put, um, poses is economically china is working its way through the middle east um, East making um, these ideal infrastructure deals where they basically say, we come in, we build infrastructure, and we get a certain percentage of your, say, oil production, um, uh, stuff like that. They're building an economic empire. And that's where the legitimate threat is. And it's not as militaristic as it was, like, say, in like World War II or the Cold War or anything like that. But those, I believe those economic, those economic, those those economic conflicts can really boil over quickly. That's where I was, was going to hit home at. Like you say, like, you have to understand America, this country has been bullies when it comes to enticing wars. Um, if we would have backed off after World War II, a lot of what happened in, or I mean, World War I, a lot of what happened in World War II would not have happened. We enticed and we pushed after World War I, which sparked, which sparked a lot of that war um, in World War II because we don't know how to back off and say enough is enough. And because we are bullies like that, we cannot afford to just not stockpile weapons and make sure that our fleet is ready to go at a moment's notice. And um, to say that we're never gonna go to war with China or Russia, we can't say that. Um, then, right. so, but, but, but let's just say, let's just say, okay, we stopped stockpiling weapons. We say, okay, we got military budget got cut. Now let's just say now China catches wind that we stopped doing that. Now we leave our defenses open and that just gives them opportunity to strike. And then America was like, well, why didn't you guys protect us? Well, because you guys want us to stop stockpiling weapons and you know drop our fleets and none of our fleets are, are war ready. Nothing's ready to go because you guys wanted us. So we can't just not. There is way too many valuable resources here in America, way too many people to say, oh, well, we're just gonna cut, cut budget and cut funding and whatever happens, happens, but it's not going to though because of this, this and that. Well, people are people. People are you can't you can't determine what a country is going to do when they want to when they want to do it. There, there's too many factors that we don't know. In a year from now, we can be on a full out war with China or Russia that we like we don't know. All it takes is America doing one false thing to one of these countries to trigger a war. It's a very delicate balance that can that can be tipped in any direction at any moment's notice. It could happen tomorrow. We don't know. 
So we have we, we have to match. We have to be up there with our military power. Um, I feel like but like budgets can be reallocated into actually making our military what it needs to be, and not just spending it on fictitious things or trying to make some space age equipment that we don't need. It needs to be, you know, made to match the threat that may come to us, and not you don't have, we don't have to over we don't have to nuke. China off the face of the earth. That we don't have to. We don't have to strive for that. We need to be able to defend our nation and reach for that and not overexceed that. There's a fine line that should be walked when it comes to how we spend and prepare our military. Um, but I think that a lot of this budget's going into futuristic weapons and um, things such as that. But realistically, um, when you we look at the war in Iraq, there was weapons, Humvees, tanks, uh, equipment, Kevlar vests that were not up to code to fight the war because they're not putting their money for our ground troops, the troops that hit the ground, hit the soil, that go out there and fight, that their equipment was faulty because that's not where our money is going. Our, it's going to R&D for future weapons and things like that that we don't necessarily need right now. So we need to focus on the here and now, what can we do to make our military the best way? And not only that, um, I want to say before, but uh, real quick, I, when we're talking about like the rest, um, how about spending money for, for here when it comes to white nationalists and what we saw at the Capitol? Because I mean, um, I, like that, that, I know we kind of touched on that a little bit ago, but our, like, that's when it comes to like reallocating funds. We had people literally storm the Capitol and that's our biggest, like the, we need to kind of look when, when it comes to military it has to be like a fluid thing. There is threats in America right now with white nationalists trying to take over this country. So it needs to be ever fluid. We have to be prepared and prepped for foreign attacks, but we can't ignore attacks from within our own within our own nation. And I feel like that's, go ahead. No, I, I agree with you 100%, Isaac. Um, and I mean, we can really go down a rabbit hole and talk about this for hours. Oh, for oh, sure. I mean, um, but, um, we do got to wrap it up here. Um, Kyle, Kyle, you got to get Kyle, back. Kyle, I dare you to show that picture. I will personally mansion. leave Milwaukee and come beat your ass. He's been sure. showing it. He's show I mean, yeah. Surprised he doesn't have his, his right. background. All right, guys, we got we to gotta close it out. Um, um, uh, can we – let me just mention that Joe no, Biden – No, Hannah, I got to close it out. My phone's going to die, and then the recording's oh. not going to hold. Okay, well, he's putting people okay. back in concentration camps, but we're going to talk well, about that next week. Yeah, we are going to talk about that. I'll post like, my own video. I want to be a part of that conversation. All right. Um, cool. Yeah, Joe, do you want to just shout out the Spotify and everything real quick before I end the recording? Yep, check us out Spotify. Anywhere else you're going to get uh, um, you know podcast, Facebook page. Just check us out. Find us. Want to listen to us? Find Instagram, us. Instagram. Instagram. All right, thanks. Thanks, right, everybody. everybody. I'm sorry Joe. that I wasn't on very much. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.